0: Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Artificial. Voice recognition. Machine Actionable analytics. It is Nick's
1: goal to help everyone
0: understand how AI and voice technology are reshaping our lives both personally and within organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of AI and voice first starts now. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help break down topics in artificial intelligence and voice first to show everyone how these technologies are going to impact our lives, both personally and within organizations. The Artificial Podcast is brought to you by RedFox AI, helping give brands a voice to the power of AI and voice assistant technology. Hey there artificial podcasters. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers and for the first time in a while here, I have the amazing Mr. Brett Brooks, the CTO of Red Fox AI and the editor of the Artificial Podcast back on the show. How are you doing Brett?
1: Hey y'all, there, cool cats and kittens.
0: Oh God! <laughs> and for those uh, of you okay, who have when, not when you, seen Tiger King when, on Netflix, you will not get that whatsoever. When you
1: when you said, "Hey there, artificial podcasters," that's instantly what I thought of. Hey y'all, there,
0: cool cats and kittens. <laughs> you know what? I actually, I sh- should I should we edit this? And I should I restart saying that? Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's Nick Myers here, back for another episode of the Artificial Podcast, and this week I am joined once again by the amazing Mr. Brett Brooks. How are you, Brett?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. I like I can't your wait for you.
0: To, I can't wait for you to edit this now. <laughs> 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 for those who did not catch... What do you mean so stupid? You're the one that wanted me to, to, to say that again. No, I'm not saying like us is,
1: well, obviously us doing that is stupid, but just the show is stupid is what I was talking about.
0: Oh yeah. For those who have seen Tiger King, you'll understand where the, the cool cats and kittens thing come. Cool. I can't talk where the cool cats and kittens thing comes from. But if you haven't seen it, then you probably won't get it. And we just sound like idiots.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. Go, go <laughs> oh, watch oh. Tiger King. You'll well, Brett, a- it's
0: uh, it's been a couple of weeks since you and I got together to record an episode of the artificial podcast. And might I say, comparably to when we we, we recorded last time, things things look a lot different in the world, don't
1: they? Was the last one our COVID nineteen one? It was. Oh my god.
0: How it, the turntables. How the turntables. <laughs> yeah. What Brett really meant to say was how the tables have turned. Yeah, it's it's a meme. Oh. Okay, you know I don't know, know means. is. Yes. Um. Anyways, yeah, a lot, lot have cha- a lot
1: has changed since we last were on here with COVID nineteen. That's yeah, why the... this episode is going to be a COVID nineteen update.
0: Yeah, we're our, our think, tune has changed. I think now that we have a lot more information on COVID nineteen and coronavirus, we're 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 gonna. It's, it's not going to be like it was last time where I go off on tangents about, yeah, here's all the facts, but here's Nick's own personal bias, Tosten, is so the why you shouldn't be afraid. Well, clearly things have changed here, folks. You know, a majority of the world has been on lockdown for about a month now. All restaurants and movie theaters and, well, I guess for the most part, any business that is deemed, quote unquote, non-essential has been shut down, mm-hmm. at least here in Wisconsin and many other states yeah. in the U.S., then you look internationally, and there's entire countries that are under lockdown. It's just amazing how quickly things changed. I mean, I can, I'll, I'll definitely say when Brett and I recorded our last episode where we talked about coronavirus, I did not think this would happen. Nope. Mm-mm. was it?
1: Wasn't it only um like basketball that was shut down? The NBA wasn't that just the only thing that was shut it down? It was
0: all just beginning. I think they were starting to suspend sporting events and different things, but I think it was the week week or two after we had published that episode is when things really started cascading down. It was crazy. Oh yeah. Changed so fast. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, I, I can't remember. I can't remember what the number was in our last episode where we, we talked about coronavirus, the number of people infected, but I think it was only like maybe in the tens of thousands in early March globally. Now it's well over a million. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, where tens of thousands of people has died, you know, and in, in, in since that as well, so things have changed rapidly, and I really feel like we're living in a George Orwell novel or one of those cheesy Stephen King remakes of his books. Yeah, where everything yeah, is I, shut like down. We're in the mist, the world is in turmoil. You know, I, sh- I shouldn't use the I wouldn't, word. I wouldn't say, ter- I wouldn't I wasn't say gonna turmoil. Say, I shouldn't say turmoil. <laughs> no. It, more or less, if you've seen any movie over the last 30 years about pandemics and outbreaks, we're living what that movie looks like. As a matter of fact, you can go watch Outbreak on Netflix right now, starring Dustin Hoffman and Renee Russo, or you can get Contagion on iTunes, which I believe is only like seven ninety nine right now. Also good. I made mean, Brett watched that one last weekend.
1: Yeah, that's great. It actually provides a little bit of comfort because you know it, it can be worse than it actually is right now. It Even is. this is a very this is a very bad situation. Yes. But that movie makes
0: you look like, oh, this is gonna be ten times worse. It can be, but I'll 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 let you know. Hollywood, they they predict stuff, man. I mean, some of the stuff that they outline in some of these movies, it's it's happening right before our very eyes right now. And I think, you know, the world's just in a bit of shock personally, which everybody has a right to be. I mean, this is well, unprecedented. I-
1: Personally, at this point, I'm out of shock. I'm more yeah, too, like I'm not in shock anymore just either. waiting it
0: out now. You know? I this the, is my life now. It's new. The reality of our situation here has just completely set in for me. And I think for a while there, I was looking at this as a really horrible negative thing. But now that I look back on a lot and I reflect on a lot, and after talking with my my friend Ming in Australia last night, I think this was needed not okay i i don't say needed in the sense of this was not needed in terms of the awfulness of the disease and people dying of course that is tragic and and that is not needed but a a a, a conscious thought shift a change in human consciousness collectively around the world needed to happen and something needed to happen to be able to cause that shift to take place and unfortunately usually crisis ridden events such as this aurora the only Things that really do that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, right now we're seeing a surge of companies and organizations who have avoided going digital for years because you know they just wanted to stay status quo and, and didn't believe <clears throat> in it. Are now being forced to invest in digital very quickly. Yeah, and seeing how,
1: how well it works
0: are struggling. Well, they're struggling too, because there was no prep beforehand. It's like this happened. And now you just have to tie loose shoelaces together to get it all to work. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years about the benefits of allowing your employees to work from home. A lot of companies didn't want to want to, test that out well now they're being forced to i mean there, there's so much that is is going to change and come out of this i mean we could spend yeah. five podcast episodes on well, that and that's not the I purpose said, of the podcast this week but i, I think i just said how
1: well it works because my company is working really well with it
0: I, a lot a of companies the company
1: can. yeah yeah I'm, I'm just saying like it, it can work really well and a lot of companies are seeing how well it works and how well their businesses still float with people half the company at home well i mean look at red
0: fox ai brett prior to all of this the company that we've been building here it was going to be all digital anyhow all distributed you know you myself and kyle we all have home offices you know it's i i I, I don't know i just i just think this is going to be a huge wake-up call for for a lot of different people who've kind of been stuck in the ways of old for a very long time and you're either going to adapt to our new reality or you're going to not adapt and more than likely fail. So I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I think a lot of organizations are stepping up to the plate and they are adapting and they are changing, but there's a lot that aren't. And it'll, it'll really be interesting to see, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel out of this. And I'm actually extremely optimistic and excited to see that light at the end of the tunnel and and what's on the other Mm -hmm. side, because I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. Ultimately, even even the current situation itself is horrible, and it's horrible Mm -hmm. that all these people are losing their lives and getting sick. I mean, it's it's tragic. But losing their jobs, with right, millions of people are now out of work. But with every crisis, you know, the raw weakness of humanity is revealed. But at the same time, at the same time, during times of immense crisis, we are able to turn our imaginations and things we wanted to create. Into an actual reality, so that's my piece on all this to open things up here. In other Good news, piece. if we all go Hunger Games, I'm going to fight to be a part of District <clears> One. Everybody, um, so that's yeah, you have how to I'll move. survive.
1: <laughs> you have to move. Then,
0: what do you mean? You're saying, are you saying you're going to move? I mean, I have to move.
1: Where's my mouse at? You, do you not know where the districts are in Hunger Games?
0: Well, I know District One was like right outside of the capital, wasn't it?
1: You got to go, move to, like, Las Vegas if you want to be District 1.
0: District 1 was not Las Vegas. District 1 was, like, the ritzy under, right underneath the Capitol.
1: Oh, yeah. District 1 is right to the right of the Capitol. Um, Las Vegas is underwater. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. You're in Utah if you want to be District 1. Wisconsin is District 8.
0: Well, you have fun there, Brett. I ain't being a part of no District 8. They got crapped on in that series. I
1: think District 8 is fine. It's right in the middle. Who am I kidding? That would suck.
0: Anyhow, (laughs) I would recommend you all start thinking about what districts you want to be a part of (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the event this actually does happen. And by the looks of things currently going on with the government, I won't be shocked if that happens, at least in the United States. It would start a Hunger Games. Anyhow, so really, as we kind of talked about when we first started chatting here, is this episode is meant to share new and positive that's a key word here, positive information about COVID-19, as well as how we are using various pieces of emerging technology like AI and voice to combat the spread and fight COVID-19. So really, this whole episode is just going to, again, give some updated information, and I really want to focus on the positive tech aspects here. And I know we kind of did that in the last episode, but... Even more so, we 've had a lot more things come about a lot more in terms of tech innovation that is really helping us to combat and fight the spread of this disease globally. So, what do you say, Brett? Are you ready i'm ready let 's do this all right let 's talk about some positive things to get started here. shall we so i 'll miss all of the doom and gloom that the media and social media tends to provide to us with this whole thing. Let's take a look at some of the positives here. Well, first and foremost, many countries are actually beginning to see a decline in the total number of cases and deaths. This is a good thing. So COVID-19 remains mostly controlled in South Korea, Taiwan, and Singapore. And new reports are suggesting that the disease may also be controlled in Hong Kong, Japan, and China. As we know, uh, a couple of days ago, China officially lifted their lockdown in Wuhan. So things are mm-hmm. starting to come back a bit there, which is really good to see. But what, unfortunately... What worries me about that is some the, of the, the cases came saying? back.
1: I, I said what worries me about that is some of the cases came back. So some some people recovered and got the disease again. But that could be due to the part of them leaving quarantine too quickly and then getting in again. Well, those are also if not, if extreme, not over it.
0: Those are also extreme outliers as well when you when you look at the data of I'm that. I'm just saying it exists. Well, it does exist, but just for the purpose of what we're talking about here, those are those are extreme outliers, folks. Odds are if you get this, you are probably not going to get it again for a while, depending on yeah. well, what at type least of immunity to is safe. developed.
1: Just to be but, safe. Like, don't go out of quarantine until your antibodies are all built up against this thing.
0: Yes. So the only thing I was talking a bit here about how... The disease may also be controlled in Hong Kong, Japan, and China. That This is true, but due to lack of testing, which is a global problem, a lot of the data coming out of some of these countries cannot be trusted. Um, and two of the worst affected countries, as we know, have been Spain and Italy, are beginning to see a decline in the number of new cases and deaths, pretty much due to the extreme social distancing measures and the lockdowns that those countries have been under. So... Italy, of course, was the epicenter there for a while. Spain got pretty bad, but they are starting to see a decline in, in the number of cases and deaths, which is a very good thing. So there's, there's, your, there's your positive fact, number one. Number two, COVID-19 might actually kill fewer people than we thought. So researchers and scientists still aren't exactly sure how many people who become infected with the disease die, But on March 31st, a report published from the Oxford Center for Evidence-Based Medicine reduced their best guess estimate from 0.51% down to 0.1% to 0.26%. So experts think that some people who have been classified as dying from COVID-19 didn't actually die of the disease, which I have heard quite a bit about, but instead from a serious pre-existing condition, and they just happened to have covid-19 when they died and i know there was a lot of information coming out that this was actually happening mm-hmm. in italy so we but, don't uh, did um did uh, covid-19 cause that fatality like i've heard covid-19
1: can affect the heart too
0: it can affect the heart but that's not to say that you know the disease itself just made the pre-existing condition worse versus the the actual um it's yeah. acute respiratory distress uh God, I can't talk again. Acute respiratory distress syndrome that COVID-19 mm-hmm. causes actually killing the person. So yeah. there it's a lot of gray area with, with the fatality rate yeah. of deaths, which is why I urge even now any numbers you see published about the mortality rate of this thing, don't take it with a grain of salt because not even the best <laughs> epidemiologists or scientists can really figure that out right now. But it's good to see that this recent report that was published on March 31st lowered their estimate down to 0.1 to 0.26%. And that's in the ballpark of the seasonal flu. So it it, more time, it'll take more time to actually know what the fatality rate of this thing is. It all depends again on the number of people infected and the number of people who recover. It's just the
1: bad, the bad part about the disease is it spreads so quickly. Correct. And that's what,
0: again, the key, the key difference between this and the seasonal flu is that the seasonal flu does not spread nearly as quickly to as many people as Mm -hmm. COVID-19 does and as SARS-CoV-2 does. And that's one thing people really need to stop. Like I I feel like everybody just thinks this thing is COVID-19. No, no, no. COVID-19 is the disease that the virus, which is SARS-CoV-2, causes. We need to start making that distinction a bit more. Because I feel like now all the media is just saying COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. Well, the virus itself is not COVID-19. That's the disease it causes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're talking about HIV and AIDS. Right. So that was positive number two. Positive number three, testing supposedly is beginning to increase rapidly. So according to the data that I was able to get here, in the U.S., testing has increased from 350 people daily on March 7th up to 101,000 people daily on April 1st. So that is a really big bump. But if you ask anybody who has recently had to go and try and get a test, they're still going to tell you it's very hard to do it because Mm -hmm. there is a very much a shortage. Even though all this news is coming out about these companies developing tests that can give you results in under 45 minutes, and even when recently that can give you results in five minutes, those tests still need to be produced, packaged, and shipped. So this, you know, even even though we are increasing testing comparatively, there is still a massive shortage. Now, Mm -hmm. we look at the U.S. in terms of the testing shortage. But then we look at a country like Iceland, for example, which has already tested almost six percent of its population. They're releasing their data in a way that makes it very easy for (laughs) others to analyze.
1: Which is really weird because I've told you before, like the half half of the people they tested were asymptomatic at the at the point of testing.
0: Well, it's also just, weird. I I think it's pretty incredible that they've already tested about 6% of their total population. So they're going to have really small. I understand that, but just the fact that they were able to do that, it's still not a completely fragmented system like we're seeing in the United States and other countries. Mm -hmm. So that's positive number three. Number four, supermarkets are refilling and hiring fast. So many grocery store chains around the world have actually hired thousands of new employees over the last few weeks to keep up with demand. We, of course, we see millions of people who are out of work. I can tell you right now, grocery stores are doing real well. And mm-hmm. more employees need more stock shelves. So if you were seeing all those pictures of shelves not being stocked, it's not the fact that there isn't food. There's plenty of food. These grocery stores just don't have the labor force to stock the shelves. That's what the, the key problem here is. Yeah. In fact, it's been reported by many countries that their food supply chains are strong, and the primary issue, again, continues to be labor at the individual store level. Brett and I both actually uh, are, are very good friends with the daughter of a grocery store chain here in Wisconsin, and she echoed the same thing that it's not Mm -hmm. that there isn't food there's plenty of food it's there's not enough labor and as a matter of fact specifically here in the U.S. we're seeing a lot of producers so farmers dairy farmers having to actually dump their product because there's too much of it in the system because with restaurants closed and restaurants of course were very large purchasers of food product there's too much of it and people aren't buying enough of it at the grocery store and so the, the supply chain is oversaturated so we're actually having to dump food which i think is that's i don't get that Sad. <laughs> it's bad but, i
1: mean it's gonna go to waste so it's,
0: yeah and of course if a farmer can't sell that food then they don't make money but, yeah exactly so yeah that's that's not good but overall it is good that supermarkets I mean, are are hiring more people to keep this the shelves stocked what would you rather hear
1: farmers dumping their product or farmers don't have enough to supply us and we're going to start
0: running out of food. I'd rather hear that there's way too much they have to dump than not enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As horrible as that sounds, I guess that's the lesser of two evils right there. Yep. So that is positive number four. And the last one here, I was able to get number five is we are making rapid technological progress in many different areas. So recently, pharmaceutical firm Abbott Laboratories stated that they would be launching a test for SARS-CoV-2 that could take as little as five minutes and be run on a portable machine the size of a toaster. I've actually seen these. It's pretty incredible technology. So this hopefully will help increase the amount of testing with this rapid test that can be done almost anywhere. So that's, that's a really interesting innovation. Johnson & Johnson also revealed that they have identified a vaccine candidate, And that the U.S. government was investing about $1 billion into its development. So that's really good news because, of course, we all know that really the only light at the end of the tunnel here is to get a vaccine for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last month, the WHO launched a global mega trial for potential drugs that can be used for potential treatment of COVID-19, which is pretty interesting, too, if you read into that and look into that, how they got that set up. So they are experimenting with a handful of drugs that we already produce to see what can treat COVID-19. And this truly is the most rapid development of a vaccine in modern history with trials already taking place in humans just a few months after the disease was officially discovered. That has never been done in modern history before. We've been able to sequence the genome of a virus and develop a vaccine and get it to human trials in such a short period of time. Because if you consider that we first discovered SARS-CoV-2 in late December, early June, and by the end of March, we already have a human trial vaccine, that is incredible. So that is, mm-hmm. that is something very positive to take note of as well.
1: And another positive thing in our local area, um, UW-Madison is starting to use uh, plasma from people who have recovered from the virus.
0: Yes, I read so that. It'll this give morning.
1: antibodies to people who are infected.
0: I, I don't know if they've proven though that that's effective, but I know a lot of different hospitals are starting to use it.
1: Well, they they say it it helps for sure. Oh. I'm not sure if the, they have the significant data to prove that this is 100 percent accurate across the board. Well, they're they're trying everything at this help. point
0: as they should. Yeah. No, I I think there's a lot of a lot of good happening. Of course, it's just the news the news and the media and social media doesn't really like to report on the positives so much as the negatives, because of course the, the negatives make headlines, the positives don't, but just want you all to know that I, I, you know, the, the reason we wanted to focus on a couple of these different mm-hmm. positives here is to let you know that things, told, things are getting yeah. better very slowly, but surely things are, are getting better. And we will, we will get out of this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yeah. That's what I was telling you. Remember that they want, they want the shocking headlines so younger people dying older people older people uh, surviving that's what they want the headlines to be because it's shocking Correct. they yep. don't expect it
0: yep so take take what we said as for what you will but there there is a lot of good happening but aside from all of those positives the reason there's a lot of positives that are happening is because of technology as as we kind of dove in into with some of the tech related to vaccines and testing and different things. But there's other areas of emerging technology that are really helping mitigate the spread of COVID-19, provide people with information, do data analysis on the disease to figure out how we can detect the illness more efficiently. So there's, there's a, a handful of different things here that have really come into play since the last podcast Brett and I did on coronavirus. So first and foremost, one of the big things here is Siri and Alexa. So in late March, Apple updated their Siri virtual assistant to provide information to people who are concerned they might have COVID-19, which really, really good thing that they did there. Mm -hmm. So users can ask the voice assistant questions like, how do I know if I have coronavirus or do I have coronavirus? And it will actually offer advice based on symptoms. So if you think that you may have symptoms of COVID-19, you can ask Siri and Siri will kind of give you a guided questionnaire to narrow your symptoms down, which is pretty cool. So when you first ask Siri about the virus, the voice assistant will ask whether you are experiencing related symptoms, of course, which include fever, dry cough, or shortness of breath. And it will also provide you links to telehealth apps on the app store that are, that, that are for anyone who can't currently reach a healthcare provider. So if you can't necessarily contact your healthcare provider at the moment you use Siri to get this information, it will recommend various telehealth apps for you to use. And Siri's answers are being provided directly from the U S public health service and the centers for disease control and prevention. So really cool thing Apple did there. I'm glad they did that. But also at the end of March, Amazon issued an update to Alexa to help users determine if they might have COVID-19. So Alexa functions much like Siri and how the voice assistant responds to and fields questions. And it's interesting that Amazon decided to do this because this comes after they removed all of the Alexa skills related to COVID-19 from their Alexa skill store. So I think... The tech companies, of course, as we look at a technology like voice, they see the value in voice being able to give people information, but of course you don't necessarily want misinformation being spread. So I actually understand why they removed third-party skills giving that info and they're probably working directly with the CDC and the WHO and uh, the health department to get this information mm-hmm. out to folks. Cause Dr. Terry Fisher and I had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He actually had just created a COVID-19 coronavirus skill to give information and I think has got caught up in, in uh, Amazon removing all those, which is unfortunate because of course, Terry's a doctor. So I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, so it's, I think it's really interesting that Apple and Amazon, did this. And I think it's extremely helpful, cutting down, of course, on, on hopefully the amount of people calling hospitals and their healthcare providers and, and getting information pretty mm-hmm. much on demand. Yeah, that, that's definitely nice. Uh, another one here COVID 19 voice detection. So uh, a team of researchers at Carnegie Mellon University and other institutions have actually released an early version of a platform that they claim can determine whether you might have COVID 19 just by analyzing your voice, which is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah you cool, can, I saw that. You can use, it's called the COVID-19 voice detector and you can actually use it right now if you can get to the website, which I, past couple of times I've tried logging onto it, it's been crashed because I can only imagine how many people are trying to access it. But you can actually Hmm. use the COVID voice detector right now to analyze your own voice for signs of infection. Although it does come with a hefty disclaimer that it's not a diagnostic system. It has not been approved by the FDA or the CDC and shouldn't be used to substitute actual medical testing. However, if you want to give it a go, see what it does, I I highly, highly encourage you to do. That's that's some <laughs> incredible technology that they put together. Why are you laughing? That's, yeah, I, I just don't see why. I wouldn't
1: trust it. Yeah. You're telling me an AI is going to detect if I have coronavirus just by my voice? Well, Brett, you'd, you'd be surprised. A, if I have a scratchy at- throat.
0: You'd be surprised at what you can train deep learning models to understand if you give them enough data. Yeah, truthfully. Right. I'm I mean, I'm I'm being very candid in saying that. I mean, you can you can train some of these really dense deep learning AI models to flag very specific markers and data that we would we would not see elsewhere. So I'm actually not shocked that they are able to do this. But it's not only Carnegie Mellon doing it, there's another company called voca.ai And they're also trying to provide diagnostic testing to determine if people have COVID-19 using speech. And they're actually collecting vocal samples right now in order to train their system to diagnose this effectively. So if if you want to help Voca.ai train their system, just go to their website and you can actually record a couple lines of speech that they are going to use to help train their AI, what I assume is a deep learning model to be able to analyze other people's voices to see if they have COVID-19.
1: It's just, it's just crazy. It just sounds so futuristic. But like it's real, detect, and it's here. You can detect your voice and detect a sickness or an illness in your voice.
0: Yes, but again, another really interesting, and I, I view as a positive example of technology coming to help mitigate and assist Mitigate the spread of COVID-19 and, uh, and assist healthcare providers.
1: Do you know if it can detect more than just COVID-19? Can you detect like if you have just like bacterial pneumonia or something? That
0: I don't know. I'm sure uh, that can be applied to this at some point. I'm, I'm sure if they can yeah, do I mean, it if, for yeah. COVID-19, they can do it for a lot of different respiratory diseases. Mm-hmm. You would think if they have the data.
1: Interesting. I'm
0: sure, we'll really be, cool. I'm sure we'll be seeing more of that coming out over the next couple of years. <clears throat> Bet your bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's next here? Oh, GPS heat mapping. Uh, so Brett actually sent me the yeah, video cool. on this. This was really neat. A company called Tectonics, and they are a geospatial data visualization platform, worked with a location services company called Xmode Social to create a map visualizing the impact of ignoring social distancing restrictions. And the heat map focused on just one group of spring breakers in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And accurately showed how just one group of people ended up all over the country potentially spreading the virus. And that is yeah. just them analyzing a sample of one group of people down in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah, there's like can, a thousand
1: people on the video. Right,
0: I can really yeah. envision a technology like this coming into play, well, more so now, but even in the future for epidemiologists as they're trying to predict and analyze the spread of different viruses. Because if you have all that location data And you know where the center of an outbreak is and you can predict how many people left that area in a given point in time, that's going to help their work immensely. So even though this was more kind of just a visual to show people how stupid these spring breakers were, I think there's a lot of applications for that technology. And of course, we all know Mm -hmm. that our mobile phones are tracking us all the time. I mean, we all just know this. Let's accept it. Let's get over this. But when you start seeing that data being put to use like this, it actually kind of makes you think like, huh, that that's actually pretty incredible. That's really useful. <clears throat> you really don't think about how
1: like a thousand people can spread across the United States, but geez, like you, you track their cell phone data and the data, the tracker, the heat map was orange. So I'll just give you perspective. It was like a little tiny little speck on Florida beach. And then they showed after a week, pretty much
0: half the country was orange. Yeah. Just, just from that small beach party. <laughs> Thus, to those who may still be thinking, why are we doing all this social distancing and safer at home orders? Well, that's why. And mm-hmm. all you have to do is go to YouTube and type in tectonics, visual, spatial, whatever, and, and you are more than likely find the video. Yeah, that, especially that with the high arrow of the, these. So. As a matter of fact, I'll include a link to the video in the episode notes so you can just go and take a look at that for yourself. Yeah. And uh, lastly here, uh, predictive data and analytics. This one's really fascinating. So a new AI tool can now accurately predict which patients that have been newly infected with COVID-19 will go on to develop severe respiratory disease. So the work on this tool was actually led by the NYU Grossman School of Medicine. And what they've done is they've, they've used predictive analytics to, Basically flag future COVID-19 illness severity. And that was the whole goal of this is they wanted to be able to analyze what percentage of people based on what pre-existing conditions or data or certain factors would be subjected to severe illness from COVID-19. And they were going to, of course, use an AI model to try and do this Well, they succeeded. So for the new study, the research designed computer models that make decisions based on the data fit into them with the programs getting smarter, of course, which is machine learning. And the new AI tool actually found that changes in three specific features, which are the levels of liver enzyme alanine aminotransferase, or ALT, reported myalgia, and hemoglobin levels were most accurately predictive of subsequent severe disease. So together with other factors, the team reported being able to predict the risk of acute respiratory distress syndrome with up to 80% accuracy in newly infected patients with this model. Crazy. That's, that's, that's a bad. breakthrough. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you again, really there's, they're, they're saying the same things right now, that this, of course, has not been approved by the FDA or the CDC or anything. But I mean, the fact that they've been able to develop an AI model Machine learning model with up to 80% accuracy that could predict if somebody's going to have ARDS is it's pretty substantial and hopefully is going to mitigate a lot of severe disease and prevent a lot of deaths.
1: Yeah. That's imagine,
0: you know, if, if if somebody comes into the hospital who has symptoms of COVID 19, you can plug in some of these different pieces of data and the system can tell you what the risk is of developing ARDs. You know, as a doctor much farther in advance what type of treatment you need to do to prevent that from happening, if you can.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wish I understood that stuff more, what you just said there. Levels of the liver enzyme, alanine, aminotransferase They're just, they're,
0: they're, they're just specific <laughs> the medical terms, of course, that I don't really understand yeah, either, but the AI was able to find out that it was these three specific features that were the best predictors if somebody was actually going to develop uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome
1: yeah okay so that's interesting
0: good yeah uh, these technology really i i i I, technology really has has come a long way Mm -hmm. and i i i've been thinking a lot lately about boy what if this happened in another period of time where we didn't have some of these different technology tools oh we know that we can go back
1: and look at history textbooks
0: well, yeah, I mean, the closest thing we have to this is the 1918 pandemic, and at least on this scale, where the entire planet was affected. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, you have HIV and some of these other things, but I yeah. mean, those were mostly localized to an extent. But mm-hmm. you look at the Spanish flu, that was the last time we had a global, massive global disease. Yeah.
1: You can thank the war pandemic. for that,
0: too. I mean, okay, you can argue H1N1 swine flu as well, but again, different. Yeah, but we didn't shut the whole world down for it. No. The last time we we literally shut things down like we are doing now was in 1918. And even then, it actually wasn't really the federal government or the state governments doing it in the U.S. That was left up more to cities and local municipalities because Mm. the communication wasn't there. So, of course, now with mobile phones and the Internet and social media, we have a much more advanced system of communication and coordination So Mm -hmm. we can actually mitigate spread of diseases much more effectively. I think if we were in another period of time where we didn't have these tools, what we saw, which was shutting things, almost everything down within a matter of about a week, probably would have taken multiple weeks. Not to mention you know rapid communication right now not to mention getting information out to people and keeping people informed let alone some of that information of mm -hmm. course has been false in nature but the fact is we still can issue mass communications to people very quickly with some of these technology tools so again the current situation awful horrible it's going to change the world moving forward forever but we do luck out with the current period of time we're in yes we do very much so Mm mm-hmm
1: now, this last thing you have on here, I don't know what you want to do, but we're not rapping. <laughs> I hate you. The role of emergent technology post pandemic. Rap with Brett. What do you? Do you have the disease? Like you're? Are you going crazy, Brett?
0: You're what? fired. <laughs> <laughs> I meant rap you- as in spitball. Different ideas we both had about the role of emerging technology oh. in a post-pandemic era are you serious I thought you were going to be like Brett throw down a beat I'd be like pff, 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 pff. COVID-19
1: you ain't going you know you'd start
0: rapping and with that we're going to end this week's episode of the Artificial <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> I unfortunately work with a fool oh
1: my god <laughs> so what you want to do do you want to rap but what were you saying?
0: I I can't with you. You're ridiculous. You're
1: not actually done. You're joking. Come on, let's go.
0: <laughs> All I wanted to do was quickly share our own individual thoughts on the role of emerging tech in the post-pandemic world. That's it. So I'll emerging let you. T- I'll let you. I'll let you take the stage here. What do you think?
1: <clears throat> well, after you've been talking about how that they've been training AI algorithms and stuff, and um machine learning to track a type of disease or sickness that you have in just your voice. I can see that definitely emerging after this pandemic. Obviously the government's going to want to put as much money as they can towards, you know, preventing another pandemic. And
0: see, we that think really that help.
1: will they actually well, do what that? What are you talking about? Are you getting conspiracy theories on me here?
0: No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just being realistic because for decades people have been predicting that this was going to happen and Most world governments are ill-prepared for this, and that's proven this time around. So what's to say that we learn from the mistake this time, which, God, I hope we do. But my biggest fear fear with this, I think, is we eventually get a vaccine, everybody gets herd immunity because of the vaccine or just from having it, and people kind of forget this happened and nothing changes. That is the worst thing that can happen. I hope that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. But well, I, I really, hopefully, we don't stay. Will I the hope governments prepare, and that again is all based on politics as well, which is unfortunate.
1: I really think our generation has seen what this can do, and I think once we get the older people out of government and put the younger people in that have gone through this, hopefully, we will do something about this. Because I tell you what, whoever's in the government right now is not doing a good job, in my opinion. So
0: if you know people give millennials a lot of crap really truthfully but if you look at everything that has happened in the past 20 well i guess i'm a young millennial so let's just say everything that's happened in the past 30 years let's 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 quickly start with the 90s with y2k that threw everybody for a loop. That caused hysteria and craziness unlike any other. Sure, we were really yeah. young and maybe didn't fully realize what that was all about, but it happened nonetheless. 9-11, we went through that. That was a mm-hmm. great time for everybody, wasn't it? Then after no. that, we had to deal with the Iraq War for a number of years. That not only affected the United States, that affected the world in many different ways Then after that we had the financial crisis of 2008 which pretty much almost bankrupted the planet uh am i forgetting anything um there's definitely more i know that anything happened in the 2010s <coughs> um oh the 2016 presidential election in the u.s never wait, will forget not that. Really that bad yeah it is
1: in this pandemic but we have to think back like look at my mom and my dad They went through the JFK assassination. They went through Vietnam. They went through North Korea. Not North Korea. They went through the Korean War. Um, Many more terrible things that happened in the 80s and 90s. Y2K, obviously, they overlap with our tragedies.
0: Yeah, I guess. I'm just saying, like, it's been a lot packed into a really condensed period of time. (laughs) Yeah. It really has been. And I get stuff like this has been going on. Yeah, at least
1: my mom and my dad are 66. We're just 20. Yeah,
0: and I I feel like at this <laughs> point I feel like I'm 65 with everything that's gone in this, gone on in this freaking planet since we've been alive. Man,
1: we we've lived a good life, man. <laughs> Time to go. Oh,
0: I'm man. I'm just saying that it's, it's just a lot, and I mean this this for me is like icing on on the <clears> cake <throat> almost because this is this is just unprecedented. I think that technology is going to lead us in a, a completely new way. At the end of this, I think first and foremost, the nature of work is going to change permanently. And a lot of companies are going to reevaluate how much travel they probably have people do and evaluate, do we really need to fly this person to China or can we do this via Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, you know, another video conferencing platform? I think that's going to change. I think we're going to see a very large increase in distributed workforce and ultimately probably see the decline of large office space and centers because it ultimately is going to save companies a lot of money to shift more of their workforce to distributed means. Really, it Mm -hmm. will. And I think a lot of them are realizing now, oh, we can actually run what we're doing with people not in a centralized space. Now, I'm going be wrong. I think that'll always be around because there'll always be a, a, a portion of people who work a lot better in those types of environments, and that's totally fine, mm-hmm. and I think that will be needed, but I think they're going to recognize the value of having a distributed workforce. I think there is going to be a lot more investment in internet infrastructure because now we're okay. realizing that
1: Oh, yeah. Those streaming services.
0: Well, when you have this many people on it at one time, I'm honestly shocked <laughs> the system is, is handling itself as well as it is right now.
1: Well, they're throttling some of the, the streams coming through.
0: Well, in Europe, uh, Netflix actually reduced its... Um, they reduced all their streaming bandwidth. to standard instead of HD. Oh, yeah. So, yep. to to save on bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And even I think they're still experiencing some issues in Europe and some parts with people not having the greatest internet connection. So I think we're going to see more internet infrastructure and Mm -hmm. that is undoubtedly going to improve with the arrival of 5G regardless. But I think we're going to see more investment in that. As more people now are afraid to touch things, which is only going to persist, we're going to see a huge increase, I think, in the number of voice assistant technology applications and more people using their Amazon Echo and Google Home devices to accomplish things. And I think the sky really is the limit for voice assistant tech. Even though I may be a bit biased, I think we're going to see a lot more applications of that and a lot more companies starting to recognize the value of being a consistent virtual presence that anybody can tap at a given point in time. I think that's going to happen. And so theaters are going down, in my opinion. See, I, I would disagree with that one.
1: Well, not all theaters, obviously. I feel like a lot of them are going to lose their business because they're declining decline anyways, even without a pandemic. Well, there yeah, I way. mean,
0: over the past couple of years, there's been a decline in the number of people going to movie theaters, but as we already kind of discussed, I think there is, there's going to be more emphasis put on there's a time and a place for when you go to the movie theater. Like again, it'll depend on the movie and I think it'll depend on maybe the time of year. There'll, there'll be a lot more factors that play because as we've seen now in this pandemic movie studios have no problem sending out their new movies to streaming services for people to buy for 20 bucks a pop. But for me, I enjoy going to the movie theater and I know I'm not alone in that there is, there is an experience to, you know, getting concessions. There is an experience to being in a movie theater with a bunch of other people, especially when it's a huge blockbuster movie that everybody's been waiting for and having mm-hmm. that joint experience with others and you got the surround sound and the huge screen. I, it's. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think there's going to be a decline. I think we may start seeing more movie studios releasing their movie to streaming in conjunction with movie theaters, but I don't think yeah. it's going to go away completely. In my I opinion. There. I would agree with you there. Now, this would be a great time for a technology like VR to make some really solid advancements, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah. So... Yeah, those those are kind of my initial thoughts. I think on the role of emerging technology post pandemic, I really think the healthcare system is going to get a lot of lift from this as well. I think a lot of investment is now going to go towards healthcare and technology associated with healthcare and using. I, didn't know, you, I
1: didn't know that's what you meant. And what do you mean? When you asked for emerging technology, I didn't know that's what you meant. I thought you were talking about like brand new technology coming from this, not existing. Oh
0: well, well you, though, what you said was still better. fine. Oh okay. Back to what I was saying is healthcare is going to get a huge lift from this, a lot more use of technology specifically like machine learning to create predictive analytics models that can help doctors analyze patient data and predict people who may get sicker than other people. So I, I just think this is, this is a push that the world needed. This is a push in collective human thought and consciousness that we needed to start finally thinking differently. And I think the biggest testament to all this is you look around the world as human beings have now been you know, confined to our homes and not in public, and you see examples, very clear examples of our planet healing itself, mm-hmm. of skies in certain parts of the world becoming clear, water becoming clear, animals returning to certain parts of the world with humans gone so i I really think this this was a a healing that was that was needed again, I am not advocating that what we're currently going through is great well, you by know. any ways or means it's awful,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: I think humanity needed a push to start thinking differently, and we're getting that
1: just you know it was just you know probably a hundred years of too much complacency.
0: Yeah, it's big time. <laughs> here, yep. here we have over the last 20 years some of the, the most strategic and fundamental innovations and in technology we've ever had, yet so many people are still holding on to the old ways of doing things.
1: Yeah, and we, had, uh, you know, we get this complacency and this routine pattern in our daily lives, and we forget how fragile we are. Wow, Brett. That was nice. So as a reminder of how fragile we are to be, you know, nicer to each other
0: yes absolutely well and with that unless you have anything else to add i i think i'm i'm ready to wrap this up i am too that was a good wrap i swear to god anyhow (laughs) thank you all again so much for listening as i say all the time we would not be able to continue doing these episodes without support from listeners and the feedback that we get. And of course the support from all the guests we have on the show. And um, it's, it's just really neat to see how, how the artificial podcast has taken off here over the past couple of years. I know I, I touched on that in my, my little break episode last week, but truthfully just, just again, want to say thank you. And we got some really good guest interviews coming up again. I do believe next week is Tim Kobe from 8 Inc. That, that is a really interesting episode that I can't wait to share with you all. Otherwise, we have a lot of good information coming your way in the world of emerging technology, AI, and voice. And we'll see you later. See you later. Artificial. Intelligence. Voice recognition. Machine learning. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all our latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To learn more about how your organization can benefit by unlocking the power of AI and voice, visit www.redfox-ai.com. Until next time.